Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you back to the program today and uh, let you know that we are going to step out of the series we've been doing in the Gospel of John because I felt like there were some things that I needed to address in this season uh, in light of the pandemic and some of the things that are going on. And so uh, these particular sessions are being uh, filmed about mid-April, so that's where we're at in this whole progression. Uh, but I, I, I just wanted to uh, come to you and say some things that I feel like are necessary to be said in this season to kind of give you some peace and even to remove some fear uh, from, from your heart. You know, I was thinking uh, the other day, first of all, let me just say to you that it is not God sending judgment on anyone. Uh, let me let me just let me just uh, tell you that first of all, one of the things that you must learn how to do is what Paul wrote to Timothy when he said that uh, he said, "Study to show yourself approved." And I could stop and talk about that because we read over so fast that we don't study to show ourselves approved. We usually are studying to find out what's wrong with us. We're normally on some kind of a sin hunt. But Paul said, study to show yourself approved unto God. Our approval came from God not on the basis of how good I am. It comes on the basis of how good He is. And my acceptance is, is, is on the basis of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ once and for all. And, uh, you know, uh, once again, I've used the example over many, many programs or many times preaching where I talk about the sacrifice of the Lamb in the Old Covenant and what it is a type and shadow or a picture of because they would bring a lamb out from among the sheep and the goats and they would uh, bring their lamb, their sin offering to the high priest, and the sinner would lay his hands on the head of the Paschal lamb, and he would confess his sin. What he was doing was transferring his sin onto the lamb. In other words, he laid on him the iniquity of us all. And then that sinner would hand to the high priest his lamb. And the, the high priest would examine the lamb. And he would have to make a declaration, is this a spotless lamb or not a spotless lamb? And he would examine that lamb from the top of its head to the soles of its feet to make sure it's a lamb without blemish. What I want you to see in that whole picture is the sinner is never examined. The lamb is examined. In other words, we're not, we're, we're not going to find our acceptance on the basis of how good the sinner is. We're going to find our acceptance on the basis of how spotless the Lamb is. We know without a doubt that when Jesus was in the days of His passion, and of course we just came through the Passover season, and I'm going to talk a good bit about that in this probably this segment or, or one of them that's to come. Uh, but you know, they, they, when they bring Jesus before Pilate, Pilate washes his hands and says, this is innocent blood. 
In other words, he was the spotless lamb of Calvary. Judas himself, who was the betrayer, and the Bible said was a devil, had to testify in the court case of Jesus. When he walked back into uh, the back into the temple, and he threw the thirty pieces of silver on the floor of the temple, and he said to the high priest and the scribes and Pharisees, "I have betrayed innocent blood." Even the devil himself had to testify that Jesus's blood was absolutely spotless, and it was innocent blood. He was he was being examined to see if he could be the ultimate sacrifice. The writer then of the book of Hebrews grabs a hold of that, and he said, For by one offering he hath sanctified, he sanctified us by the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Once and for all. And then the same chapter, a few verses down, it goes on to say that he has perfected forever, perfected forever them that are sanctified. Now you were sanctified on the basis of the offering of Jesus Christ once for all. So your perfection is not based on your performance, it's based on a sacrifice. As a matter of fact, when he says in Hebrews 6, therefore leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ and laying on of hands and faith towards God, he said, let us go on unto perfection. But that text in Hebrews chapter 6, the word perfection there is not a verb. It is not a doing. It is a noun. And a noun is something that's already, it's, it, it, it's something that's already established. And so when he's talking about let us go on under perfection, he's not talking about into an activity. He's talking about going into a person and into that person and work of Jesus Christ. So that when I study to show myself approved, a workman that does not need to be ashamed, I'm looking at what brought me the approval. Now the second thing I want you to see in that passage in Timothy is that it says, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now rightly dividing the word of truth is not being able to understand Greek and Hebrew. While I'm not against education, that's really not what he's talking about. Rightly dividing the word of truth means you know what the difference is. You have, you're able to divide what is truth in relationship to the old covenant and what is truth in relationship to the new covenant, so that you can be a workman that does not need to be ashamed. In this season we are in, especially in this pandemic, if you have Facebook or a lot of friends, I want to tell you what happens. This season there's a line being drawn in the sand, and what you declare and speak will determine whether you are coming from an old covenant paradigm or you're coming from a new covenant mindset. It will, de it will determine whether or not you're a Levitical priest or a priest after the order of Melchizedek. It will declare whether or not you're an old covenant prophet declaring doom and despair and judgment, or you are a new covenant prophet edifying, building up, comforting, and exhorting. In this hour that we stand in, people do not need more fear put upon them 
They already get all of that from the media and from the news and all of the facts of the day. What they need to do is to be able to tune in somewhere and hear some hope and a word that's positive concerning their future and their destiny. And I want to tell you that that's what you're going to hear from this program today is a word of hope, a word for the future, because we're going to look not to the realm of the earth, but we're going to look to the realm of the heavens and see what we need to do. This priest of the Most High God, Melchizedek, who was a picture of the new covenant, first of all, priesthood of Jesus, but the apostle Peter says we're a chosen generation and we are a royal priesthood. So we're a part of a priesthood after the order of Melchizedek. And the earmarks of a Melchizedek priesthood is number one, he serves bread and wine. Bread and wine are the elements of the communion table or that, that are the elements of the new covenant communion table. They are also the elements of the Passover. We'll talk about that in just a little while. But it is the communion. What, what are you, let, let me ask you something here, especially if I'm speaking to leaders. What are you serving? Are you serving the doom, despair, and agony of an old covenant paradigm, or are you serving the new covenant bread and wine of the new covenant? And, and, and it's, it's going to draw a line in the sand. You cannot, in other words, I'm not going to vacillate and go back to preaching law and doom just because we've found some difficulties that have gripped literally the whole world. And many times people want to blame God. But I listen, I even heard our president saying, you may or may not like our president. I'm not going to be political here. But I heard him say, this is not an act of God. And when he did on the news, I wanted to jump up and say a big amen to that. I thought to myself, here is our leaders sometimes that know more about the Word of God than sometimes spiritual leaders. This is not an act of God. And when you rightly divide the Word of truth, see Melchizedek was the priest of the Most High God. The, the term there when he says the Most High God is a, uh, the, the Hebrew name El Elyon, it is the name of God, the Most High God, El Elyon. And every time you see the name El Elyon used in the Scripture, it is always connected somehow to the Melchizedek priesthood. It is connected to uh, the Most Holy Place uh, because the priest of the Most High God, uh, in other words, the, the uh, El Elyon was the priest of the Most High God, and what he did was he served bread and wine again. But when you see that terminology, it is always connected with Melchizedek, it is uh, but it is connected also with the Most Holy Place. The Most Holy Place was the third dimension in the tabernacle of Moses. And what was in that tabernacle of Moses in the third dimension was a mercy seat. So if you are a priest after the order of Melchizedek, you are speaking from a mercy seat. If you are a priest after the order of Levi and an old covenant priest and an old covenant prophet, you are speaking from a judgment seat. But I want to tell you that if you are speaking and serving bread and wine, you are serving new covenant concepts. Study to show yourself approved a workman that does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And dividing the word of truth is understanding again what is truth in relationship 
to the Old Covenant, what is truth in relationship to the New Covenant. Now here are some of the tenets of the New Covenant. What our problem is, is that when we get into uh, difficulties like we're experiencing, we want to mix the two covenants. Paul calls that a perversion of the gospel, the mixture of law and grace. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Do not mix the leaven of the old with the new. It is like putting new wine in an old wineskin. It is like putting new cloth in an old garment. It just will not work. But here are some of the tenets of the new covenant. God says to them, this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith God. I will write my laws on their hearts, and listen to this, and their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Now either he does or he doesn't. But that's the terms of the covenant of the new covenant is their sins and iniquities I will remember no more, and I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. The Scripture goes on to tell us where there is no law, there is no transgression. We are not under the law under any shape, fashion, or form. We are under the new covenant. And if you followed our ministry, I don't have to, to take a lot of time to kind of unpack that. We are in a brand new covenant, and, and it goes on to say that if you are under law, for the law worketh wrath. But we're not under law, so we're not under the wrath of God, and we are not under the judgment of God in any shape, fashion, or, or form. Uh, you know, I, I think, and I'm going to address this today. I really don't want to be in conflict with what someone else may believe. That's their prerogative. So I'm not here to try to fight anything that anybody else is saying. But I must speak to you today from the mercy seat. And I must speak to you from a Melchizedek priesthood. I must serve bread and wine in this season because it is so vitally needed. He always prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. In other words, there's always something on the table of the Lord to feed on when you are walking through something of the valley of the shadow of death. And when you walk, the key in, in Psalm 23 is they do not die in the valley. They walk through the valley of the shadow of death with an anointing upon their head until their cup runs completely over. So I want to serve some bread and wine today. And, I, and again, I, I'm saying this, so I don't want to be in conflict with what, what other people are saying, but I can only tell you what I've heard God say myself, and then you have to discern whether you believe it's God or not God. But uh, you know, one of the popular scriptures that is always used in the midst of a crisis is, okay, God is judging America. Of course, in this particular case, it looks like a worldwide thing. Now, first of all, if God is judging the world for sin, let me tell you that I have known a lot of people who've gotten the coronavirus who are not sinners. They are saints. They are people who love God, who are walking in the things of God, and God is not out to get them. But the scripture that we seemingly always want to quote in the midst of this is we come from an old covenant paradigm, and then we quote Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, where it says, If my people, which are called 
by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now what I want you to do is see that first of all, we cherry pick scriptures and we pull them out of the context of the audience they are in and out of the context of the covenant that it was written in. And when we do that, we do great damage to the text. It, is, it, it, it breaks all kinds of hermeneutical rules. But if you will see the verse simply above this, let me see, because we don't quote the one above it. Verse 13 says, If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour land, or if I send pestilence among my people. Then he says, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and seek them face and turn from their wicked ways. So what I want you to see is the verse above this, verse 13, is in the context of the old covenant curses. And then he says, he's, he, what he's doing, he's talking to, uh, uh, this verses were written right after Solomon gave a bunch of animal sacrifices and built his temple. If we're going to follow the context of these verses in Scripture, we're going to have to get some animals, and we're going to have to sacrifice them, and we're going to have to go back to animal sacrifices. But what we need to understand is that these, this verse above that speaks of the curse of the law. But I want you to put that, listen, let me read this Scripture right beside of that one. Galatians 3, verse number 13. He says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. In other words, Jesus took all of my judgment. The Scripture declares when He was about to be lifted up, He said, For even as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, for so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto Myself. I was studying yesterday, actually I was writing some things. And I looked at that text in the interlinear Bible of the Greek, and I'm studying the Greek language, and I found out that the word men there is not in the original language. But the context of that is he, he, it was, he was saying, for judgment have I come. In other words, what he's saying in, let me quote it like this, because what he was talking about drawing into himself was not just all men, and I believe his redemption of course did include all men. But what he says there, if you take the word out that's added by the translations, the word men is added by the translation, translators, I'm sorry, it literally reads like this, and I, if I be lifted up, will draw all judgment unto myself. Jesus was judged as the propitiation for our sin. The word propitiation literally means a mercy seat. A mercy seat. We must speak from a mercy seat. Now you say, now Brother House, you know, should we repent? And I, to which I reply, absolutely we should be repent. I wrote this note in my notes. I said, should we repent? Of course. Of course we should. But the word repent here means to change the way you think. Perhaps what we need to understand is that repentance is not just what you turn from, but it's what you turn toward. Perhaps in this hour our hearts need to turn toward an understanding of who we are in the new creation. 
And because of the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, we reign in life by one Christ Jesus. Righteousness in the new covenant is not earned, it is a gift. Perhaps one of the things that we need to repent of is our constant sin consciousness and begin to embrace who we are in the new creation identity. And that kind of repentance will bring a change in your behavior, for if you truly believe that you are righteous, you will act like you're righteous because the just will live by faith. I believe there's an ongoing uh, thing that, that helps us to be able to, to change the way, but, uh, the way we think and bring us to repentance. But it is not catastrophes and judgments. Let me read to you something I, I posted a few days on my Facebook that I think will help you understand what I'm saying here. I said, if you as a husband or a wife had to threaten your spouse with a deadly disease to love you, would that be love or spousal abuse? Now think about that, because we preach this about God sending this stuff to get us to come back to Him. But if we're forced to come back to Him, is that really love? Would you really want a relationship like that at all? Would you really want a relationship with a spouse that had to threaten you constantly with deadly diseases to get you to love them? Would you really want a relationship like that? Let me just go and say, I said, I, I don't think so. Then why do we think God would act like that? If you have to use fear to get someone to serve you, it will only last until the fear wears off. Remember 9-11? For a little while, people turned to God until things got better. Does God work in the midst of crises? Of course He does. All things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to His purpose. However, it is not, however, He is not the author of these events. He is not sending plagues on the earth because we are not under the curses of the law. Jesus became a curse for us. Now let me just say, let me go on and read some of this. He's not the author of these events. His mission has never changed. He is still in the business of salvation and bringing about new creation. God is far more interested in healing our brokenness than He is in bringing judgment upon us. He's like Forrest Gump. He'll take you back when all you got's one dying breath because stupid is what stupid does. But you could have had unconditional love your entire life if you would just let Him in. If we could only see in this season that He took on Himself all of our sin and judgment in the divine union on the tree. God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself by not counting men's sin against us. Now, he's already reconciled us to God. Now our message should be to humanity, be you reconciled to God. God's already made peace through the blood of His cross with you. You need to make peace with God. You need to call on Him. You need to reach out to Him. In the midst of this, what He's there is an ever-present help in the time of trouble. You need to come back to the table of communion and feed from what's on the table. Now our message should be, be reconciled to God. He is standing with arms outstretched as the Savior of the world. He is still saving us. And I believe it in this season we're going to see uh, the victory of a, the miraculous hand of God as God stretches out His arm and makes bare His holy arm 
and de demonstrates the power of His salvation. And I think in this hour, instead of adding to the fear and hype and trying to scare people, we need to be the priest of the Most High God and serve bread and wine. You know, back in the first beginnings of this pandemic, I did a Facebook Live that's been watched thousands and thousands of times, but the Lord instructed me to do a live video where I went back and I talked about the Passover lamb. And it was right, you know, it's amazing to me that this thing hit during the Passover season. And instead of, you know, saying, well, what do you think is going to happen? What do you think we're going to... Let me just tell you what I think God told them to do. He told them during that Passover season to go into their houses. Oh yeah, you feel like you've been shut up forever. I know you do. And you feel like, you know, well, we've been quarantined. But see, that's not the first time there was ever a quarantine. They were quarantined in their houses in the land of Egypt during the Feast of Passover. And God told them, here's my instruction for you. Take a lamb and put the blood on the doorpost of your house. Take the lamb inside the house and eat it in the night, roast with fire. Eat the whole lamb. If it's too much for you, get, share it with your neighbors. Let me just tell you what I felt like the instruction of the Lord is. is During this season when this plague is in our land and it's all over the world, it's not a plague from God. It is a disease that has come and there are all kinds of natural disasters that God did not send. But here's the thing. We can still put the blood on the doorpost of our houses, and Hebrews says the blood speaks better things than the blood of Abel, because the blood of Abel cried for vengeance and revenge, but the blood of Jesus Christ, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The blood still has something to say over your house. And when they went into the house, they were in quarantine, and they ate the feast. Of, they started feeding on the lamb. They started feeding on, if I could say it like this, the finished work of Jesus Christ. They started feeding on the bread and the wine. Jesus served that communion the night before his decease when he said, this is the last lamb you will ever have to kill. He took the bread. He said, this is my body. It was broken for you. And I served communion that night on Facebook Live and got reports of miracles from people having all kinds of miracles that took place. We can stand on the Word of God. When they came out of Egypt, they spoiled the Egyptians. And they came out and headed towards a promised land. I believe we're coming out of this. And we're coming out with a high hand. And we're coming out powerful, more powerful than we ever have. Because we need to focus not on the problem, but the answer. You're either adding to the problem or you're given an answer. And the answer is, come back to the table of the Lord. Feed on the lamb. He prepares a table in the presence of your enemies, and eat the night, lamb in the night, roast with fire. The night season is the best time to eat it. We're about out of time. But I just wanted to encourage you with this word. We're going to continue talking about this over the next couple of weeks. God bless you. Listen, take a few moments. Uh, during this season, of course, when we're not traveling, our finances go way down. But if you'd like to sow into the ministry, help us to stay on the air during this difficult time, we need your help. You can go and call the number on the screen. You can give via text message. You can go to our website and give via PayPal or credit card, and there is a direct link there to PayPal. You can also write a check or money order and send it to the address that will come on the screen. God bless you, and thank you for joining us this week. 
I'm very excited to announce the release of my newest book. It is titled From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. In this book, we talk about how the gospel is not about a law you have to keep. It is about receiving a life that will keep you. It is not about living this life out of fear. It is about living a life of faith. It is not about rules. It's about a relationship with a loving father. It is about moving from the old covenant government of condemnation to the new covenant government of affirmation. It is about living life as a citizen of the kingdom right now.